0: But where we're we at this morning, as Richard said, we're in the concluding part of what is a two-part mini-series entitled Treasure. Treasure. I love this word, treasure. And it's taken from Matthew six twenty-one: For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And yes, it is about money. <laughs> uh, I joked last week that some people say, Mark, you mustn't talk about sex, politics, and money at church. Don't go near there. Well, it turns out Jesus spoke a lot about those things, so Relax. We're in safe company, it's all good. Um, But you know what, (laughs) thank you for the chuckle, whoever chuckled, thank you, I appreciate that. It was a semi-good joke, wasn't it? Uh, (laughs) Can I just start with how I ended last week though? God doesn't need our money, but he wants our hearts. God doesn't need our money, but he wants our hearts. And you see, while it is about money, it actually isn't about money. It's actually an issue of the heart, and we unpacked that last week. Money is an indicator of where your heart's at, whether you put your trust and your faith in money or you you put it in God. You see, God is jealous for our hearts. That's why Jesus talks about it. He wants all of us, he wants all of us, but he knows the dangers of money. It's not money itself, money is not evil. God doesn't say we should, you know. We should steer clear of money. He just says the love of money is evil. And it says in verse 24 of Matthew 6, we cannot serve both money and God. And that's what we looked at last week. And if you missed uh, last week, I'd encourage you to catch up. You can do so on our website or our smartphone app. And we looked at the four lies of money and the bondage we get into with money. But this week, what we're going to see is that while it is an issue of our heart, it's also an issue of of his heart. You see, he is longing to reveal himself to us as we give him ourselves, all of us. And so, the title of this week's talk is this: an issue of his heart. And you know, last week we looked at Matthew six nineteen. As I said, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where rust and, and moth destroy. But this week we're going to focus on the second part, which is Matthew 6.20. But lay out for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. So let's look at that. And in order to understand this first, we do need to ask two important questions. The first one is this. What are the treasures Jesus is referring to? What are they? That's a fair question. We'll look at that. And second of all is, how do we store these up? What does Jesus mean when he says, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven? And so I want this talk to be really practical, something we can apply to our own lives. And lastly, as way of a wrap-up, if you like a a mini epilogue of the two-part series, we're going to end with the four truths of giving, the four truths of giving that will set us on our way. Okay, so are we all there? Let's start on question number one. What are these treasures? Now, let me start by saying up front that God blesses us in spite of what we do. Let's be clear on that. In other words, his blessings flow out towards us from his throne of grace. Grace, his unmerited favor is poured upon us. I know in my life I've made some really bad decisions. I know I've done things and said things I shouldn't. I know I haven't given all of myself to him. And yet in spite of myself, in spite of me, he blesses me. In spite of it, he blesses. I mean, hey, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. It says in Romans that while we were still enemies with God, he sent his only son. You want to talk about blessing? There you go. That's grace. But it is also true that his blessings do at times come in response to what we do. His blessings do come in response to our obedience to him. There are countless number of scriptures in the Bible that attest to this. In fact, the Sermon on the Mount, we looked at this, didn't we, last week? And we set the scene about our heart. And we looked, uh, it starts in chapter 5, if you want to do some homework and go away and look at it. But it's interesting, the whole Sermon on the Mount, because Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. And he starts with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, etc., etc. So in other words, there's a blessing that comes with how we position ourselves, See that? And then he goes on to say, you know, don't pray like the Pharisees do. They pray in public. They've had their reward, but do it in secret. Then God will reward you. You know, when you fast, don't do it like the Pharisees. They they make themselves look miserable, but but do it with joy. And then what the Father sees you do in private, He will reward you. There's rewards. There's a, a consequence to how we are obedient to him. And lastly, we see, you know, you have a choice. You can either lay up treasures on earth or you can do so in heaven. And so in other words, what we see very clearly here is that there are blessings that are associated with our obedience to him of what we do. We have our part to play. Now, I want to say at this point, I cannot preach on his treasures without touching on a real hot potato for I have found myself swimming in the pool of controversy. You go, wow, what controversy is that? There are lots of hot potatoes. And one of the controversies I want to touch on, which is really important, because I I need to address this, is the prosperity gospel. Some of you might have heard of the prosperity gospel, or in its extreme sense, the word of faith movement. So what, what on earth is that, Mark? Let me tell you, it's a good question. It's a movement which says that we can all be materially wealthy. In fact, in its most dangerous extreme case, it says not only can we, but we should be. If you're not a millionaire, you've got a problem. And the thing that's stopping us is not claiming his promises and our lack of faith. Listen, guys, you might think, well, that's not popular. It is popular. Just turn on one of the wonderful Christian channels that we have in this country, and they're great but probably 60% of the teaching is this kind of stuff. And it's caused rise to the name of name it, claim it. If you want a jet, name it and claim it, it's yours. If you want that super fast car, well, the only stop, thing stopping you is claiming it. Now, we chuckle, but it's true. This teaching is dangerous. Now, let me, just, let me get absolutely clear. If God lays something on your heart to pray for, then you should. The difference is, is this, isn't, this is almost like, well, whatever it is, God will open up everything for me. If I hear one more pastor say they need a fourth jet, because apparently they can't pray on a commercial airliner, <laughs> this teaching's dangerous, and it's filtering through. And we got—I want, I want to protect you guys from this type of teaching. And you see, one of the dangers of the prosperity gospel with this kind of teaching is that it breeds entitlement. It removes God's grace and exchanges it for him owing us because of what we've done for him. Well, I've done this and so the principles are that you should do this. It reduces relationship to those principles and it re- minimizes worship for the worth of him and exchanges it for a transaction based on our merit. It's dangerous. Now God is not against wealth, we looked at that last week, but he's against the love of money. And if your pursuit is money, check yourself, because I tell you, the prosperity gospel, if you're, if you're attracted to that, ask yourself, am I chasing money, and is this, is this giving me the opportunity to, to chase money? I'll, so I'll just leave that one with you. But here's the thing about false teachings, or let's call them heresies, which is essentially a... Uh, a technical word for things that are not uh, orthodox beliefs. Heresies are actually a truth so magnified that it becomes an error. Now, think about this. You'll never hear a heresy that says murder is okay, will you? You'll never hear a heresy that says it's okay to, to, to commit adultery. You'll hear a heresy that says, well, hold on, if, if God's grace is sufficient, then, well, actually, technically, you can do what you like. That's called hyper Hypergrace. So heresies, you see, is always a distortion of a truth to the point that it is erroneous. And so heresies are so dangerous because it has the veneer of truth. Well, hold on, surely God wants to bless us. And because of it, it is so alluring. Now, why am I spending time on this? This is important. Because what happens, you see, is we're like, whoa, don't go around blessings because you're going to be in the prosperity gospel. And that's true. We don't want to end up that place. But what is the distortion? It's true that God wants to bless us, that he has a life of abundance for us. Correct. It's true that as we pour ourselves out for him, he does so into us and blesses us. Correct. But magnify this without the full understanding of his word, and surely, therefore, we can all be millionaires. And surely, therefore, well, if if God wants to, then what's stopping us is our lack of faith. And and surely then, hold on a minute, that means that tough times and valley experiences are actually a sign that I'm walking outside of his will. And then all of a sudden, people that follow this kind of teaching get battered and, and bruised. But this is what I want to see. The reason I want to address this is there is a, as a snippet of truth there that's been magnified, which is this, God does bless us in response to what we do. But what I want to do this morning is I want to teach on that without us sliding into this extreme, extreme gospel message, which is no gospel message at all, okay? That's why I'm being clear on this. And I think the best way to describe how God blesses us in response to what we do is give you a story. I have three beautiful children, and imagine if I've got some gardening work, and I say, hey, kids. Guess what? We're gonna do some gardening together because we've got some work to do. And I'll tell you what, here's an idea. At the end of that, I'm gonna give you, I don't know, five pounds each or ten, whatever it might be. And then what we're gonna do is we're gonna go out together and have go to a restaurant, we'll take mummy along as well. (laughs) And we'll have some nice time together. Okay? That is a demonstration of rewards and blessings that come because my children are doing something with me, right? What if I spin it around the other way? What if my children come to me and say, Dad, I know you give rewards based on what we do, so this is the deal. I'm gonna go and do the garden, and at the end of that, you owe me ten pounds. You see the difference. What's the difference? It's his idea. <laughs> Simple, really. We don't dictate what those blessings are. He comes to us with that. And that's the difference, and that's what I want to focus on. We don't demand it, we seek the giver, not the gift. We seek his face, not his hand. And that is the slight distinction, that line that we have to walk. And so out of relationship, he does reward, he does bless. Because that is an outworking of his heart towards us. Let's look at Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. What's that? A blessing of the Lord. What about a New Testament? What about the letter to the Corinthians, the second letter that Paul writes in chapter 9, he says this on verse 6. The point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Blessings and rewards from the Lord do come in response to ourselves, in addition to blessings that come irrespective of ourselves. He does provide us treasures. As we give our heart to him, so he gives us his. And here's the thing. His blessings, you see, are a revelation of his heart to us. That's what they are. His blessings are a revelation of his heart to us. Let me make this clear. God wants to bless us. And as we give, we are showing him where our heart is. We're giving him our hearts. And in response, he reveals his to us. Do you see that? Matthew six thirty three. seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all those things will be given unto you. We focus on him and on his kingdom, he takes care of the rest. It's not a transaction based on merit, based on the fact that I've been praying for a printout of this jet on my wall for three weeks. It's based on the fact that I seek his face and in so doing he blesses. And what's really fascinating, I think we kind of, the question of what are these blessings? Well, in the Sermon on the Mount, again, it's very interesting. There seems to be three categories of blessings that I want to look at. The first is blessings. You know, blessed are the, those in poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. These seem to be blessings that are, are available to all based on our right relationship with God. They're not specific to my requirements. They are, a, a blessing is a way in which I live my life as I live it for Jesus. You know, the Greek word for blessing is actually happy, and it was the same word they used to describe the Roman gods. They used to say the Roman gods were blessed because they don't have the cares of this world. That's what it means. And actually, that's the whole point about walking with Jesus. We are just passing through this world. You see, these blessed states that we read about in in chapter 5 is a result of living in his kingdom. And the cares of this world fall away because Jesus says, do not worry about what you eat or what you'll wear seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you. So that's blessings. And that is in response to our heart towards him. And if you have time, read chapter five. But then Jesus goes on with another set of seemingly blessings, we'll call that as a generic sense, called rewards. What's that about? And we looked at that earlier. And you can read about that in chapter five. um, Sorry, chapter six. When you pray, when you fast, when you give, what what God sees you do in private, uh, he's gonna reward you. Now, they seem to be specific to a person. So where blessings are a way in which we live that's applicable to all of us, there seems to be moments where God does bless us with rewards specifically. And they're both in this life, and they're both in heaven as well. And we don't know the answer to what they are specifically, but you know what, I think that's kind of the point. Because if Jesus were to outline the specific rewards... Knowing our hearts would be like, okay, well, God, here's the list. I'm going to come to you with my reward list. But it's his grace. It's his idea. You know, I love, I was in in between the two services, a lady came to me and said, Mark, I've got to tell you this amazing story. She said, listen, last week, she says, I'm I'm on benefits. We we live, you know, by the week. And she said, "It it was a Friday, and a lady knocked on my door and said, oh, just lost my purse. I really need three pounds to get to the... To the bus. And this lady looked at her purse and she had just three pounds left. And she said, Okay, Lord, well, I just feel prompted. So she gave the lady, the, she said, This was the only money we had to our name at that point. So she gives the three pounds. She goes, I was skipping up that steps back to my house. She said, By Sunday, someone had gifted me 300 pounds. Isn't that amazing? Now she didn't say to God, "Listen God, here's my seed, three pounds. I'm going to expect 300 by Sunday." <laughs> and by the way, we should pray for our giving, yeah, Lord, magnify it. But what I love about that is it's just... God says you can't outgive me." <laughs> I love that story, thank you, Lord. And so these rewards come, and they bless us specifically. Okay, the third set of seems to be blessings. We've got blessings, rewards, and then we've got treasures. What are treasures? Do not lay out for yourselves treasures on earth. Well, we know that's related to money, and we looked at that, didn't we? But treasures in heaven. Now, the reality is the Bible is not very clear on what those treasures in heaven look like. Some have postulated that it might be uh, a bigger mansion than someone else. I'm not sure that's the case. I don't think materially we'll be too bothered. But again, I think that's the whole point. We don't really know. But we store them in heaven, and maybe God trickles them down now and waits you know, until we're in glory. This is like, you know, going back to that story of me and the kids, it's almost like when I, went, I said to the kids, well, we'll work on it together. That's the blessing of a right life because we're going to have fun together working in the family business, as we say here. And then I'm going to reward you afterwards with some money. And then we're going to have some treasure time together in the restaurant afterwards. It's a kind of a nice way of looking at that story, isn't it? Now, we don't know what that looks like. I certainly don't, the kids won't know what the menu looks like when they get into the restaurant. They won't know what kind of service it is. So there you go. That's the kind of blessings we receive in response to us, to our heart. And all of these things, blessings, rewards, and treasures, are an, is an issue of his heart. You see, he is waiting. You know, when we don't give, we're robbing God of the opportunity to reveal his heart. Did you know that? It's true. And we're going to look at that in a bit more detail, which kind of brings us to the second question we've looked at then. Um, what are those treasures? And we looked at, at that, that God does bless us in response to us. And we looked at the type of treasures. But the second question was, how do we store up treasures in heaven? How do we do so? Well, we've got two choices where we store up our money. Imagine you have an opportunity to invest in some funds here. You know, you've you got the global fund or the tech fund or the UK fund and you invest your money and you see it rise, et cetera, et cetera. Well, we've got two choices, okay, with our money. We can either invest in the earthly fund, which is where we accumulate in our name or we have the heavenly fund where we give away in his name see the difference We have the earthly fund where we accumulate in our name store up treasures for yourself on earth where rust and moth can destroy and steal etc well the, the moth doesn't to steal the robber steal. <laughs> or store up for yourself treasures in heaven Why? How? By giving it away in his name. So let's look at those ways in which we can give. So say, I want to invest in that fund, Mark. That sounds like a good fund. I want to to, to invest in that fund. You've got three ways. Number one, tithes. Oh, the word tithe. The word tithe actually means in Hebrew 10%. And it was designed, uh, it means of what you earn of your produce or your earnings. Now, many people at this point, and I've heard it said, say, well, hold on, whoa, 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 whoa. Tithe is the Old Testament, tithe is part of the law. It doesn't apply now to us as New Covenant believers. Let me just say this. The first time we ever see a tithe given is in Genesis 14, 20, when Abraham offers a tithe to the high priest Melchizedek. Now, what happened, you see, is Abraham had just had a victory over King of Elam, and in thanksgiving and worship to God, he gave a tithe to the high priest. It was before the Mosaic law, before the law was given, You see, in other words, the tithe is designed to be a, a part of our worship to him. It's not a, now, when the law came, they made it a requirement of the law. But that doesn't automatically mean that we don't apply it. No, it's pre-law. This, Abraham, you know, it says um, in Hebrews that um, Abraham's faith was accredited to him as righteousness. In other words, this is a righteous act as we live out our lives so we are to do so in thankfulness to God with our tithes. And I love, you know, it's interesting. You know, Jesus doesn't say, oh, let me just clarify here, guys. We're New Testament people now. You don't need to talk. He says, when you give, the assumption is we do so. And he says, actually, in Mark 12, 17, then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. In other words, here's your pot. You give your, your, your tax to Caesar. In fact, and then you give... Your money to God. And that kind of answers the question as well, doesn't it? Pre-tax. Tax before or after? Well, here's your pot. You give 10% from your pot and you give your tax to, the, to Caesar as well. It's kind of interesting. But also what's interesting is it shows you that you build your life around your first fruits. You see, I have done in my life before many times to build my tithe around what's left. Actually, the challenge here is your first fruits. Okay, Lord, here's my check. The first thing I want to do... There's my tithe, and then here's the tax, and then what's left I build my life on. And that is so countercultural. That is difficult stuff. But this is what Jesus is saying here. And I've got good news for you because it's not a part of the law, you're not restricted to only 10%. Happy days! You can give 15 or 20, whatever you feel. I mean, I know Rick Warren does what he calls reverse tithing, he gives 90%. Isn't that amazing? He has he has got so much money from his books, but he doesn't. He drives the same car he's driven for 20 years. I mean, I'm not saying we should all do that. You know, I'll probably get a new car at some point. God doesn't mind stuff, you know. I don't want us walking out this place saying God wants us to be poor. That's not the point here. The point is we build our lives on the fact that we want to demonstrate our our worship to Him in our tithes. Okay, so that's the first way. Second way is offerings, which is over and above. There's a guy called Fred Smith, and I love what he said. He said, for some rich Christians in America, and you could also put the UK, tithing is an excuse not to give generously. Oh, wow. Done my tithe? I'm done. I have fulfilled the requirements of the law. Giving should be from a point of generosity. You know, it says, we've got to be cheerful givers. It's an act of worship, of thankfulness. If you're not in that place to give 10% in that position, then don't. Make a start, though. Do it from a position of joy. And you know, it's a great story in Ezra in the Old Testament. You know, the, uh, the Israelites had been captured, uh, exiled from Israel, and, um, and then it was the, uh, by Babylon. But then there was Persia and King Cyrus. He said, well, you guys can go back and build your temple. And so Ezra went, they, they kind of went back. There was a remnant of them. And it says in Ezra 3 that... The families gave a free will offering to build the temple, and that's what we do here when we have building projects and other projects. It's over and above our tithe. This is free will offerings that we give out of what we're able, and that was the word that's used in Ezra three, out of what we're able to. So there's offering, and the third one is acts of righteousness. I love this. This is when we just give gifts, you know, to people for them to because we recognise a need. You know, maybe you've received. A, 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 an envelope from someone or and with some cash you didn't know who it was from through your letterbox or, you know maybe you hear about a need and you, you you send them a check that's acts of righteousness things that we can just give freely to people and here's the thing you see generosity releases generosity the area that you sow you reap kindness releases kindness we are here to be ambassadors of christ where we step we, 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 we represent the kingdom and the king. And so we give freely. And so, but guys, that's how we can invest in heavenly treasures. That's how we can invest in the heavenly fund through our tithes. And I want to say some of you guys, you, you know, you're, you're robbing God in the sense that you're robbing God from an opportunity to reveal his heart. Because what you're doing is, you, is you're saying, my heart's elsewhere, part of it. But God says, for, Jesus said, didn't he, where your treasure is, there is your heart also. And so I want to challenge you. I'm challenged by this. Steph and I are having a conversation. You know, what does our world look like as it means to give in? About tithes and, and offerings and acts of righteousness. Do we really trust God enough to let go of some of our money and give it to these things? Do we really trust God enough? And there have been moments in our life, I've got to say, where we've kind of given over and above. And, and, and God has just blessed us in immeasurable ways. And that leads me, in some respects, as we've looked at how do we swap treasures in heaven, we've looked at those three ways of giving. That leads me to a bit of an epilogue of this series, really, as I bring this plane to land and look at the truth of giving, four truths of giving in his name. The first is this. It positions us for his blessing. We've looked at this. It positions us for the revelation of his heart. If my children don't give of themselves to use that story and work with me and give themselves in the way they do, do in the garden, then they don't receive the blessings that come with that. You know, let's just be clear, as I said from the start, we're not talking about blessings that are demanded from God because we fulfilled principles. These are not blessings that we receive based on our own merit, but these are blessings that we just pour out ourselves to him and we give it away. And say, this is where my heart's at, Lord, and in that place he blesses us. You know, it says if you sow sparingly, you will receive sparingly. We looked at that, didn't we? Number two, it's part of our worship. It is part of our worship because money is an indication of where our hearts are. And when we give it to him, we're giving it out of a position of thankfulness. And we looked at that. Now, this is amazing. You see, Abraham, Abraham, as we looked at, gave it to the high priest Melchizedek. Now, if you read in Hebrews, the writer of the Hebrews says that Jesus came in the order of Melchizedek. Do you know that? He is our high priest. And so we give our, our, our money to him, we're giving it to our high priest, Jesus. What battle have we won? The battle over sin. What victory have we won? The victory on the cross that Jesus paid for us. And so it's an act of our thankfulness and worship, saying, you know what, everything I have The money in my pocket, the life that I have, the blessings you pour, all because of what you've done, Jesus, of the victory you got on the cross for me. And so it's out of that place of worship that we do so. Number three, it extends God's kingdom through the plans and purposes he has for us. You know, it says in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And we know in Ephesians 2.10 that he's prepared good works for us before time began for us to walk in. What are those good works? To fulfill the great commission and to make Christ known and to extend his kingdom. You see, that goes to the heart of stewardship. Money is given for us so that we'll be good stewards. What about the, the parable of the talents? You might have heard of this. Matthew 25, if you want to look it up another time, verses 14 to 30. There's a story that the three people and and the master had given a set of money to one, a set of money to the second, a set of money to the third. And he said, I'm going to come back and see what you've done with it. He comes back and to cut a long story short, two two of the people, they kind of did something with the money and they grew it. They were good stewards of it. They did the work. But the third one, out of fear, buried it in the ground. Well, the first two were given even more because if you're faithful in the small things, you'll be faithful in the large things. And some of us, and I've seen it in my early days, I wasn't able to walk, walk on to bigger things because God was still waiting for me to see whether I'd be faithful in what I had. And I think for some of you, you're at that point, God is just tapping your shoulder saying, come on, you know, you know the promises I have for you. You know what I've got for you. Get, get down your knees and pick up. get out of the ground what you've stowed away. And let's use it for something because I've got even more for you. And he's questioning, he's saying, Lord, have, you got, have you got faith? Have you got faith? And then lastly... And this is where I bring it all in. It releases his joy, happiness, and peace in us. I love the story that lady gave me in between the two services. That when she'd given her only three pounds, the joy that was released, she skipped up the steps. I love that. And that is what happens, you see. Because we live a blessed life when we position ourselves to receive his joy, his peace, and his happiness. Because the moment you step out of that, and you step into the bondage to money and serve money, you get what money... The wages of money, anxiety, stress, fear. Now, let me, hear, let me get, get this straight. I'm not saying we shouldn't be good stewards of our money and be wise and invest money where we have it and, and use our money wisely and plan for the future. But there is a difference between doing that and trusting God. We should do that and trust God at the same time. I've had moments in my life where I, just, I don't trust God, but I trust my bank balance. But the moment you trust your bank balance over God... You wonder why you can't sleep. You wonder why anxiety sets in. And so the, the promise, the, the, the truth of giving is that we release his joy and his, his peace in our lives. And if you've never stepped out in that, let me just say, start small. Hey, get one pound a week and say, you know what? I'm going to give this to somebody. Maybe I'm going to, once a week, I'm going to buy someone a coffee in front of me in the line. Start small, but start. And see the joy and the happiness that's released. And I'm, wait, I'm looking forward to hearing those testimonies. You know, you cannot buy your way to happiness, but you can give your way to it. You can't buy your way to happiness. It's a lie of money that says you can buy happiness, but you can give your way to it. So I'll end where I begin. Where is your heart? I'd like us all to stand. I invite the band up. And I want to end with a wonderful testimony that Little Hannah gave me at the start of the 9.30 service. Do stand. Hannah was uh, sitting over there with with Mummy Vaughan and her brother Oliver. And she said, come, I've got a great story. I said, what's this? And Hannah said, and Hannah's eight. I've been saving for this amazing Lego set for weeks. But I've had to wait longer because she tithes. Isn't that amazing? She, She bases her financial decisions around her tithes. We can learn so much from children. And I had to wait extra time. But eventually, she has enough money. And she places the order for this amazing Lego set. And when it's delivered, it's the wrong Lego set. I know, I said that too. But guess what? Mummy called and they said, you know what? You keep that one. We'll send the one she wants too. Amen? You can't outgive God. I love that. Hannah didn't say, Lord, I'm doing something amazing for you right now, so uh, I'm going to claim two Lego sets. But you see, as she positioned herself in obedience, as she based her life on her first fruits, honouring the Lord, God says, let me show you what blessing looks like. I'm going to reward you. And for some of us, I think the fear of poverty, the poverty spirit, has held you back. You see, what Jesus had promised is a spirit of generosity. The same spirit that meant that Jesus could get on the cross in generosity of spirit and die for us. He poured everything out for us. And what was the return on that? New life for us. You see, it's about money, but it's not really about money. It's about our heart, and it's about his See, money is an indication of where our heart is at. And God has been purposeful on pausing us midway through the year because for some of us, we've been pressing in and we feel there's a bit of resistance. God is saying, give it all to me. Pour out your heart because I've got amazing things for you. Why don't we pray? And I want to spend a couple of moments ministering to, as the Lord leads in a few different areas. So let's just close our eyes. And Holy Spirit, would you just come now? Come, Lord Jesus, we welcome you in this place. Thank you for your word that brings life. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, thank you that you want to release joy in our lives and peace. that We'll no longer be under the bondage of money and, and the fear, anxiety, and stress that it brings. But you want to reveal your heart to us as we give you ours. And I fear some of you are here are just really fearful because you've, um, you've had bad experiences before, maybe you've been caught up in the prosperity gospel or maybe you just you just can't let go and i'm just going to pray a prayer if that's you in your heart you can just say yeah that's me lord help me i'm going to pray of you now i'm holy spirit lord for all those that are saying help me lord i'm just fearful would you pour out your peace upon them give them wisdom Put right wise people around them do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you can test and walk in all that God has for you. And for some of you, this is a mental adjustment that you're going to have to make because God's kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. Or well, Technically, it's the right way around. We adjust the wrong way around. And so, Lord, I just pray you release your peace in these people. Release your love. Your word says that perfect love casts out fear. Release your love. And for some of you, I I want you to remember that picture of the father working in the garden with the kiddies because you're that child. That's what he's got for you. And for some of you being at the side, saying, no, not today, thank you. I think it's going to be too hard and I'd rather not sweat in the summer sun. But you're going to miss out on what God's got for you. For some of you, uh, I just feel like you have been given, but there's been no joy in it. And I think that for some of you, you've been given out of legalism, a sense of duty rather than a sense of worship. If that's you, I just want to challenge you and just... hmm. If that's you, just respond to the Lord and say, Lord, I want it to be a heart of worship, my tithe and my giving. Come Holy Spirit. Lord, raise up, raise our hearts to thankfulness and worship. Thank you, Jesus. And for some of you, Jesus is saying here this morning, well done, my good and faithful steward. You have been faithful in what I've given you, and you're about to be faithful in much larger things. And for some of you now, there is a season that you're coming into of increase because you have demonstrated to be a good steward of that which God's given you, and he's about to pour out new blessings upon you. And if there's something in your heart that resonates to that just receive that word now come Holy Spirit release finances and resources for these people and let me pray for all of us Lord I pray for all of us that we would walk in the blessings that Lord we wouldn't serve money but we cannot serve money and God for we we'll would either despise one or despise the other Lord we pray we we'll would be sold out for you for where our treasure is there is our heart and Lord would you find our hearts to be with you And would we position ourselves for you to reveal your heart to us, I pray. Let us worship together.